It's time for another episode of Mainly Modifieds, where ground pounders and northeast speed freaks come to get their radio fix on. Let's join the Race Chaser Media crew in the studio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Mainly Modifieds. My name is Tom Baker from Race Chaser Media. Kyle Souza will be joining me shortly to uh, talk about what's going on up in New England and all of the uh, sim racing that's been going on at uh, Stafford and Seekonk and uh, the new NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour uh, series race as well. Uh, got a lot to cover there. We'll uh, give you the latest in uh, current schedule updates for the various tours and tracks and series as we have them. Um, so all of that is coming up. But uh, we've got uh, also an interview with Brandon Wilkinson, and this was a really, really fun interview that Kyle was able to get. Brandon, um, of course, uh, won one of the recent uh, iRaces up there, but also uh, has been a spotter who has spotted on several levels, different divisions of the sport, uh, and, and has had some great experience there. It was uh, It was a really entertaining interview, just couple of guys sitting back and talking about what each other's done and mostly about what Brandon's done. But uh, Kyle was um, really interested in what the differences are between spotting a modified, for example, and spotting a truck and, um, you know, the different situations that he finds himself in. So uh, looking forward to presenting this interview to you. Um, And then, of course, Kyle and I will come back after that and we'll do our segment together. So, uh, we're excited about this week's show, and we hope you will be as well. We appreciate you tuning in to listen, and we are going to step aside for just a moment, and when we return, we will go directly to the interview with Kyle and Brandon. So stick around. We'll be back with more of Mainly Modifieds right after this. Everyone knows Strutmasters is the suspension experts for luxury vehicles, and now we offer motorcycle products. Introducing Easy Rider, complete motorcycle air suspension brought to you by strutmasters.com. You can raise and lower your bike with the flip of a switch. Take those long rides with the ultimate comfort of Easy Rider air shocks. They're backed by Strutmasters, and you won't believe the low price. Check out Easy Rider, motorcycle air suspension at strutmasters.com. Is your job sucking the life out of you? Wake up. You can do something else. Information technology. I know what you're thinking, but I'm not a math or science person. No excuses, no problem. It's not rocket science. It's my computer career. Helping people start an IT career is their thing. If you don't absolutely love what you do, go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. You can start your new life as an information technology professional in as little as four months. Attend classes on campus or live online just two or three times a week to get what you'll need to start your new career. More than just a school, My Computer Career helps you get into the industry by working with hundreds of employers that hire their students. My Computer Career is nationally accredited and financial aid is available for those who qualify, including the GI Bill. Classes start soon, so go take the career evaluation now at mycomputercareer.edu. Mycomputercareer.edu. That's mycomputercareer.edu. Welcome back to Mainly Modifieds. Uh, as we continue our COVID life at home, um, we're catching up with somebody that's at home, uh, unlike us, is normally at the racetrack on a weekly basis, pretty much by this time of year. Uh, catching up with Brandon Wilkinson, who's 
quite the guy right now in Ringo Motorsports, not only at the racetrack, but on sim racing. And we'll get to sim racing in a minute. Uh, but, Brandon, I want to start by kind of having you introduce fans on a little bit of who you are. You've done some spotting. Right now you're spotting for one of the Catalanos in the NASCAR Wheel Modified Tour. But kind of introduce uh, how you got started in racing and kind of why spotting was a major uh, tipping point for you. Yeah, so it's kind of funny, right, because um – you know, my dad and I had I had grown up, and my dad was racing um, with with Norm Perry, and he was a, kind of a, you would call it a car chief. Um, you know, Norm obviously takes takes control of, of pretty much everything, um, and and my dad was kind of the car chief role there for a long time. So I, I kind of got started in racing with with the Perry family and Shelley, Butch, Norm, Sue, and and their awesome family there, and. My dad finally uh, decided one day on the, on a Wednesday night to go to the Speed Bowl and, and run their X car division or their uh, X modified division, and it turned into him running uh, the uh, SK modifieds at, at Thompson. Um, and you know, it got to a point where you know I was really interested in racing. Um, I didn't really like working on the cars, and um, you know, we never really had the funding to run our own program. So, um, spotting was kind of the next best thing. Um, you know, I, I had gotten started on, on iRacing and, uh, I met my first driver, Paul Buzel there. Um, and, and his dad was, was getting out of the job and, um, you know, I spotted for him a couple times on iRacing, uh, you know, just to kind of get the gist of it. And man, I had no, I, I still don't really have an idea. What I'm doing, <laughs> believe me. Um, but, um, you know, compared to some of these guys, it's, it's kind of ridiculous what they can do. Um, but, you know, I got to the racetrack and, and it was, it was just instant. You know, I didn't think number one, that I was going to be, you know, in a position to go racing weekly and, and, you know, have, have the luxury of going to a racetrack and knowing that you're, you know, a part of a team every week. Um, but I really wanted it to happen. Um, and, and over the, the course of the next couple of years, uh, I tried to make that as realistic as possible and, and it's turned into what it is right now. So obviously it's turned into something that, uh, you're obviously very proud of and something that you've been very successful at. Uh, so you mentioned Paul is kind of your first driver, uh, and then maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like a fair assessment that the modified driver, they kind of got you to a point where, Maybe you were a little bit more well-known. might be Mike Willis Jr., who you started working with and eventually won the MRS championship with uh, two years ago now. Yeah, it was funny. Um, I was I was on the outside looking in of the 2016 World Series, and I'll never forget it. Um, I had messaged Mike Willis uh, the week before the race, and um, I, I had found out that his mom, Lisa, who is the best cook at the racetrack in the entire world, um, she uh, she decided, you know, that she was spotting, and, and she decided that, you know, if somebody else was going to do it, they were more than welcome, you know, and, and there's a lot about, there, there's a lot of that, you know, uh, it, it's a family run team. It, it's Mike, his father, his mother, um, and, you know, just a couple crew guys that volunteer all their time. And, um, you know, it was, you're right. I mean, it was right away instantly that, you know, we all clicked. And, um, I remember we got halfway through that race and we were running good and Mike, we ended up in a wreck or something. And then, Mike asked me after the race, he goes, Hey, you want to go to Florida? And it was from that exact point. Um, I decided to drive from, from Rhode Island to Florida with these guys. And, um, yeah, I mean it, that, that year and, and the last couple of years with Mike has really taken off. Um, you know, he's become one of my best friends and, 
and somebody that I'll, I'll cherish forever. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. Uh, Mike definitely got me my start in tour modifieds. And up until then, you know, I was really comfortable when it came to SK racing and SK light racing. Um, but you know, to have somebody that genuine, genuinely knew what they were doing in the seat and didn't put a lot of pressure on me, it, it kind of eased me into being very comfortable and in, into what it is, you know, a year ago and then into what it is now. Is there any uh, difference between different types of cars you spot? I mean, we'll talk about the Catuano family in a minute, who's kind of, I think you've become pretty much part of their family and vice versa. But is there any kind of difference? You mentioned SKs, you mentioned Modifieds. I know you've spotted all the way basically to pro trucks and everything in between. Uh, but is it kind of the same type of gist up there in the, the roof, the, the way you go about it? Um, you know, like, it, it's hard, you know, because I thought, you know, two years ago, you know, I, I had SK Modified Racing down, um, and then I, I spotted for a guy named Stephen Massey, and if anybody knows anything about racing in New England, obviously you know the name Steve Massey, and that was, I think that was the first real competitive car, you know, that every week we had a chance to win. Um, Justin Albernaz had just kind of started to dabble in, in a full-size SK Modified, and he put Steve in the car to kind of get a baseline set up, um, you know, and to see what the car could do before he went out there. You know, and, and I was I was lucky enough to get tied up with Massey. And, um, I mean, it, it was totally different, you know. I mean, if you spot an SK race versus a pro truck race, I mean, yeah, I, the speed is, is un, unmatched. You know, if you go from an SK even to a tour type, you know, the, the way that you – the way that you call a race definitely definitely switches. I mean, the, the easiest way to describe it is, you know, as fast as you see it on the track is as fast as I see it. So, um, and, and the thing about it is it's, it's totally different when it comes to the actual race uh, because, you know, SK races, you're, you're go, go, go. Tour races, you're safe, and there's a lot more to it. Right. Um, it it's definitely totally different. So... I said we'd get to the Conolanos, and we will in a second, but something else just kind of popped into my mind. I know you've, you've mentioned, you know, we've talked about pro trucks, SK, tour mods. You spotted SK lights. Um, but in February, you had the opportunity to spot an ARCA car uh, at Daytona, which is a completely different ball game. What was that like, first of all, to get the surreal opportunity to be able to do that and kind of, I guess, hit the pinnacle uh, for, for where your career is going? It's kind of already there. And then be able to not only do that, but also spot last year in the Cup Series at Watkins Glen. You've kind of rolled up the ladder here pretty quickly yeah you know i've um i've been fortunate to have um you know you have great friends along the way and i've met some great crew chiefs that, that know great people and um yeah it was it was cool um to, to describe daytona um i i'm not really sure how you can really put that put that one into words um you know that the deal came about five minutes before i went into the barbecue dinner at, at new smyrna speedway and um you know there were a couple guys there that i was talking to um i remember sitting down at, at the at the dinner table with lloyd garner who is uh cory heim spotter and he spotted for landon castle uh full-time um in the previous uh nascar cup season and I mean, he kind of just broke it down. You know, at that point, I was a nervous wreck, um, you know, because I had never done anything like that before, obviously. And, right. um, you know, the closest thing I had gotten to a plate race was Loudon Modifieds. And I had taken to that uh, pretty quick. And that that's completely my style. Um, but ARCA cars at, at Daytona is, is a whole different ballgame. You know, I, I got there expecting, you know, single car runs and, and you know, in practice and it, essentially that's what you do but i got there and realized that well with 
you know, 10 cars on the racetrack, you know, if, if you give somebody, if you mess up somebody's run, number one, um, you know, these are, these are the guys, right? So, uh, if you mess up somebody's run in practice, obviously, you know, you're going to hear it. Uh, number one, number two, um, you don't represent, you know, the person that you're working for, uh, very well. Um, and number three, you make them look bad. Um, so that all comes back on you. So the first, the first thing I realized when I got there that, uh, practice is the hardest thing that you can ever do at Daytona, uh, because everybody focuses on single car runs because it's all qualifying trip. Um, so there's, there's an entirely different code, uh, that I would have never thought, you know, before, I had gotten there, you know, and it's, it's all spacing. Essentially it's how you would call a group qualifying session for the Wayland four, uh, is how you call, you know, two hours straight of practice. Uh, and it, it was, it was eye opening, right? Because I expected, you know, this would be a nice, calm, cool practice session. I get up there and, um, I, I remember like it was two minutes ago, Derek Nealon going through pretty much the, the spotter code of, of spotting practice at Daytona. And I'm like, man, you know, this is practice. Um, uh, but you know, eventually it got easier from there. And, um, I'd like to say that, you know, I got a lot of experience in the race, but, um, you know, lap, lap one, middle of three and four, uh, we were in the grass. So, um, just one of those things, man. Uh, it was, it was definitely eye opening for sure. And, and something that I'll never, never, ever forget. I mean, that was, uh, you know, the feeling before a race at Daytona, even watching it on TV doesn't even come close to uh, even a microscopic amount of, of what it feels like uh, when you're counting counting them down into the box. I mean, that was that was surreal for sure. So you get that moment, uh, and now let's hit on the Catalanos. They they kind of like Mike Willis in a sense. Uh, you hopped on board with them over the last year or two, uh, and have really kind of taken off with them as well. Spotting on the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour. Uh, kind of talk through maybe how that started uh, a little bit, and then what that's like to work with them. I mean, they've got two, three, sometimes even four race. They've got at least four. Uh, race car drivers right now in the family and that's obviously a difficult task for them to have to bring all these cars to the track specifically on those events that they ran three last year on the tour yeah um i mean yeah it's uh I um I got a text from a colleague who was down in Myrtle Beach when Tommy ran the open show um, against Matt Hirschman there for the Myrtle Beach 400 deal, um, and and Amy was going around asking you know her fellow modified guys that if they knew anybody that was you know looking for a full time deal and um you know it, it turned out that the deal that I had at the time was was part time. Um, and it, it moved into, well, you know, my decision was, it was hard, right? Because I was working with Burt Myers and Eddie Harvey and admittedly, you know, Eddie Harvey is, um, I mean, he's Eddie Harvey, right. You know, to, to get your start with, uh, you know, Burt Myers and Eddie Harvey, that's, um, something that I'll never take for granted. Um, but to, to be full-time on the tour, you know, I made that decision to take the leap, uh, a young, you know, and, and up and coming guy who's you know the same age as me but you know obviously you know it's somebody that i could connect with and and he's turned into you know a brother to me whether you know his name is wilkinson or my name is catalano it doesn't matter you know and vice versa um you know tommy is tommy's turned into one of my best friends easily um and and i you know i trust him with with the entire world um and and same deal with the family you know like amy and dave are, are 
they're our parents at the racetrack. You know, we need to be at, you know, if I need to be at the spotters meeting at, at two o'clock, Amy, make sure and text me, you know, 20 and 10 and five minutes before that. And then if not, you know, I get a, a phone call from Tommy cause he gets nervous, but, uh, we're, we're one big family now. I mean, it got to the point where, you know, they don't know anybody, right? You know, they're from New York, they're from upstate New York, and their team is the Catalanos. You know, there's nobody on their team that their last name is, is anything but Catalano or, or Richardson or Resnier, which, you know, Zach and, and Dylan are, are where there are only two people that, you know, weren't named Catalano. Um, so I had I had put together a, a last-minute team the night before the Thompson race on a Wednesday. I believe it was the Bud 150 for Timmy, um, you know, with John West, TJ Blue, who's a, you know, a good racer in, in his own right, um, Jacob Perry, Jordan Churchill, Johnny O'Sullivan, you know, and, and they did great, you know. It, they, they fit the mold of the team, and obviously you're going to get help that, that stays and help that goes, but, you know, we've ended up with a great core group of people that, you know, we've taken to Florida this year and, and it, it's more than a race team. Now at this point, we don't go to the racetrack looking forward to race. You know, we go to the racetrack and we look forward to hanging out with each other, whether it's busting on each other or just having fun or being there for each other, you know, as, as a friend and, and family, you know, we've, we've kind of all evolved and in, into the same, same person in a sense to where you know somebody somebody needs something it's it's you know it's already done you know tommy has a great group of, of brothers that he can count on um and and that that stretches throughout the you know the last name catalano at this point so i think you know for them it's it's a good thing right because you know kids are kids um and, and there's a lot of them and and there's a lot to be occupied with with race cars and now they have you know just more friends that they can go to the racetrack with and look forward to hanging out with yeah and that's what makes the catawano family uh one of the more interesting families to cover uh in the sport of auto racing a couple other things we want to touch on you with uh before we let you go we've talked about the catawanos we've talked about mike willis uh but your rise really in february that kind of pops out at me uh and something that kind of came about through sim racing uh is working with time majeski at new Smyrna. Uh, in the super late model and winning with him uh, on one of those nights. So you kind of, correct me if I'm wrong, but you kind of met Ty through iRacing, which really you had really no plans of doing until things kind of just hit the fan and you decided to buy a rig and, and get racing and you've become quite the accomplished sim racer. Uh, we'll talk about your success in a minute, but Ty Majeski and joining the posse, uh, his little race team there, that's kind of evolved into you becoming pretty close with him as well. Yeah, I mean, and, and you're kind of in the inner loop with that. Um, you know, as, as you know, I was with a team, uh, front stretch mafia and, in their own right, they had some really great drivers and we had a really good, you know, year and a half to two years with Colin Hallman, Keith Medeiros, uh, Michael Goddard, who's a super late model driver in Florida, um, James Milbacher, Chris Canfield, like those are, those are solid guys. Right. Um, and it, it got to a boiling point to where, you know, there were just different different opinions and different conflicts and sim racing has always been fun to me whether it's you know spotting on sim racing i mean i i sit back in pajamas and i have a root beer and i i have a good time um no matter what so um yeah i mean i it was funny that the first team i ever applied for was the posse in 2012 and time told me to build him a richmond set um for a, a, a limited late model and i never heard back from him um obviously for obvious reasons i was 14 years old and um the average age of that team is is now right now it's like 31 Older, yeah. um yeah i mean they were all over 20 at the time so um i get it you know and, and it got to the point that it was weird man I, as soon as i left fsm it was i think it was an hour after i was at trivia um 
with my girlfriend and her family. And Joe Schaefer texted me out of the blue and said, Hey, you know, if you need a spot, come on over. And I get in team speak one day and it's just Ty in there. And he goes, Hey, what's up? You know? And, and, you know, for a guy like Ty to just be sitting in his laptop and, you know, just a guy like that, you know, like it, it's just an, an average person would just sit down with, you know, Ty Majeski and just have a conversation. Right. First off, you know, that was cool. Obviously, he's a high profile guy and um, he's turned into a, a really good friend and, and somebody that I can, you know, lean back on for, hey, should I do this? Should I do that? You know, not even in the sim racing world, but, you know, real racing wise, you know, good decisions, bad decisions, you know, Ty's always there to kind of pick my brain. And, you know, if I don't want to hear it, he's going to tell me. And if I, you know, if I want to hear it and whatever's good for me, it, it seems like Ty, Ty has his, my best interest in his, in his mind. And um, no matter what that is, if I want to hear it or not. So, yeah, I mean, it, it evolved into something really fast. Um, you know, I'm thankful for his car owners uh, that wanted to go down and race two nights um, because I wouldn't have gotten that opportunity. But, um, yeah, I mean, Ty is uh, one of the easiest people to work with, um, whether it's on the computer or, or in real life. Um, he knows what he wants, and he demands, you know, respect and, and success. Um, and, and if you don't, you know, abide by those he's going to let you know and you know so far everything's been good you know whether it's on the sim or in real life but yeah that was cool um you know to meet you know, not only just a teammate but somebody who's evolved into a good friend and, and put a face you know to the person um especially somebody like like ty you know just to go hang out with him was was cool so you win that race at new smyrna uh and you've set yourself up for a 2020 race season uh that we'll end with here in our conversation in a second that hopefully is going to get underway sometime soon um but let's talk about sim racing you kind of got involved in that you've been involved in it for a while you hop over to this posse team uh and let's be straight about it you become quite the the winning sim racer here not that you didn't win before but you've really taken a hot streak here winning modified races on speed 51 uh winning a variety of different races and and recently something that's kind of close to to this podcast and something we've talked about winning the first race of the seekonk road trip tour as well i mean what is with all that success man how are you able to be able to do that on there and, and do it on a consistent basis yeah, you know, I, I'd like to say that um, I've gotten better, but I, I I don't know. I mean, I have, I mean, you know, personally, you know, we'll take it back a year or so ago before I even joined FSM. Um, I was on Kyle Souza Motorsports, um, yeah. and, and you were my crew chief, so you kind of know, you know, how my deal works. Um, and I don't know, some people label, label me on the sim as a prima donna, which is pretty funny. Um, but, you know, I, I have a great crew chief um, and, and Mark Logan and, and a great support team with, you know, Stan Bragg and, and Ty Majeski and uh, great teammates, you know, Ryan Blanchard, Riley Stengem, Ty Spearman, uh, Joe Schaefer. I mean, I just have a good good group of guys that, you know, yeah, um, I can get on and, and run, you know, two to 300 laps. But, um, you know, that helps so much to, to have friends to sit back and talk to. Um, because you don't realize that you're doing all this testing when you're, you know, talking about real world racing and, you know, think of it, you know, as, as kind of like a rain delay, right? So we, we're just standing in a trailer talking about racing and all of a sudden three hours pass by and we're drying the track and we're going racing. That's kind of how, how every night is, you know, when you get on team speak with those guys, you, everybody just talks about racing. You know, and the night flies by, and by that time you've done four to five hundred laps in testing, whether it's open modified stuff for the East West Tour, or if I'm, uh, if I got the Moe's moving in storage, uh, Toyota Supra getting ready for the uh, Seacock Road Trip Tour, which uh, we've been off to a really good start with their with their deal, and um, that that win at, at uh, Lanier uh, two weeks ago was was really special. 
So now we're on to the sim racing world, at least for the near future, hopefully not too much longer. Uh, but what does Brandon Wilkinson have planned for the actual race season? Forgiving that coronavirus slows down and we can get to the racetrack hopefully sometime soon. What kind of, are there other plans outside of the Catalanos and the Wheel Modified Tour? And if not, I mean, what are you guys kind of looking to do? What are you looking to do from a spotter perspective with them in 2020? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, all all gas and no brakes uh, with the Catalanos this year, for sure. Um, Tommy's been working really hard over the off season. Um, he's picked up a job as the, you know, the New York retailer at, at TFR um, with Rob Fuller. And um, he's gained a lot of knowledge over, over this off season. And I think that's going to take a load off of, off of Dave. Not that it's, it's a burden on Dave to crew for his son. Right. But you know, Dave, Dave worries about Timmy and, and, you know, when we run three cars, obviously, you know, he's going to pay attention to all three cars. Um, so that's going to make that a little bit easier. And I think, um, you know, this is the year that uh, we're, we're all gas, no brakes, looking for that first win, uh, which would be be really cool for a kid like Tommy who works, you know, day in and day out in, in his own race shop on his race cars. Um, I know that when he won that race at Jucasa, um, he had called me after. And, um, you know, he's really excited. So um, to be a part of that this year on the tour would be cool. Um, there's some stuff that, you know, if we do go back racing, when we do go back racing, that I can't say um, since it hasn't been um, announced by anybody yet. Um, but we have uh, some some really cool stuff planned, kind of like what we did at uh, Watkins Glen last year. Uh, just a little bit more of that stuff um, that, you know, can't be said. And uh, probably some uh, some races down south with a, a pretty close sim race friend of mine um, that I've spotted for this year in Florida. Um, so uh, a pretty big year kind of gets put on hold, but, um, you know, between that and, uh, focusing on the full act tour with Derek Wuchaki, uh, in his rookie year, um, and, and trying to win some races at Seekonk here and there. Uh, if we ever go back racing, uh, it's, it's going to be pretty much all gas and no breaks from there. So there's one more thing, uh, that kind of comes to mind here before we let you go and, and we appreciate some time, but, uh, what about this sim racing versus real life thing? I mean, you've spotted in real life, uh, you've never been behind the wheel and buckled in and, and felt the G forces and the banking and stuff like that in real life. But do you feel like driving on iRacing, uh, and competing in races and running the outside, the bottom, making passes, being prepared to block, are those things helpful on the sim that kind of help you prepare for what you need to do in real life to help a driver? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I mean, going back to what you said 30 seconds ago, um, the Friday night before the Whalen Modified Tour race on a Saturday, um, it's it's going to be a party at, at the Fast Friday at Seacock Speedway. Uh, that hasn't been announced yet, um, but uh, we will be um, in a race car at some point this year, and it's going to be a comedy show, and I hope everybody um, <laughs> is, is able to come out the night before the tour race at Seacock Speedway and uh, watch uh, my uh, crazy debut, uh, which, again, like I said, it hasn't been announced yet, but it's going to be a show. Um, so uh, Seacock Speedway is going to be the place to be uh, the night before the Whalen Tour race. Uh, whether uh, it's either going to go really good or really bad, and either way, it's going to be worth the uh, the twenty twenty five dollar grandstand admission. Yeah. But back to uh, um, back to what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've had you know three or four guys spot for me, and uh, over the over the course of the last year or so, once we started to to really fire on all all cylinders and it's it's actually helped a ton right because you know i there's stuff that you know i used to do that gets annoying um you know when somebody does that or somebody says that to me during a race like you know i i can't really think of something specific but uh you know it just changes so much it's all in the moment right and but 
you know, for a spotter, you don't want anything you say in the moment to be frustrating because obviously that takes your driver's focus off of, you know, what's going on on the racetrack. Um, so, you know, you know, lesson learned there and you kind of check that box and realize that, Oh, you know, I know, you know, every, every driver's different, but, um, you know, for me, if something is annoying to me and I, I try to be pretty open as to what somebody can say to me while I'm racing, uh, especially while I'm racing on a computer, uh, maybe they, you know, don't want to hear that in real life. So I think it's helped a ton. Um, you know, and, and spotting on iRacing is, is completely different than real life. Um, number one, but it, uh, it definitely helps, um, you know, it, it helps you stay sharp and, and stay up to date on the program of, you know, what, what you can say in those situations and, and, you know, how to, how to be overall, you know, kind of just be super calm. And, and that's helped me a ton, obviously, you know, when you go to the real world, uh, being calm is, is the, the most important deal there. Um, but, um, obviously once you get to sim racing, that can kind of, you know, you can hear your own tone when you talk all to all the time, whether you, whatever you have for radios, um, when, if you just have a headset, you can just turn the volume control on, um, and, and, you know, help yourself out there. So I think, you know, sim racing spotting is, is way different. Um, I enjoy it because I enjoy all aspects of, of racing and I have fun no matter what we're doing. Um, and I, I really don't take it that serious. Um, even in the real world, you know, I take it serious, but, um, at some point, if it gets to if it gets to a, a job, right, um, that's when you're gonna you're gonna start to lose interest in it. So, um, you know, it's it helps in the fact of knowing, you know, hey, if this is annoying to me, maybe I don't do this in real life. Yeah. Um, because obviously, drivers take it a little bit more serious than we do because they have a, a much more important job. That's fair enough. Uh, and sim racing's kind of evolved into the norm here uh, in the middle of COVID nineteen. Brandon, really yeah, want to—that's for sure. We really want to thank you, man. You just spent half hour uh, chatting with us and uh, kind of gave us our, our our featured guest for the week. You know, you listeners that are listening know that we've talked to Timmy Salamito, we've talked to Craig Lutz, we've talked to Ronnie Williams, we've talked to Doug Kobe. Uh, now we gave you a little bit of a different perspective uh, from the spotter side of the world. Uh, so, Brandon, want to thank you uh, for us to take us time to talk to us. Hope you're staying healthy uh look forward to seeing you real soon yeah for sure um yeah i appreciate the time and uh hopefully uh hopefully we all get back to a uh a racetrack i mean my uh my wado communication radios and my racing electronics headset is just sitting here and it's kind of depressing to look at just sit there so uh definitely ready to get back to the real world but uh if not you know we'll keep firing on all four and, and having a good time and i don't think i've had to dust off the notebook uh and the race bag that's sitting in my closet it hasn't come out of the closet since uh, the daytona 500 uh so hopefully right. we can get all this stuff back to work uh so you've been listening to brandon wilkinson uh we're going to take a quick break and we will throw it back so we can discuss stafford's iRacing racing over the last couple weeks we'll talk about the seacock road trip tour coming up uh and some further schedule updates for the nascar wheel modified tour and more Welcome back to Mainly Modifieds as we uh, continue with the program this week. We now have Kyle Souza with us uh, on the strutmasters.com hotline. And, uh, Kyle, that was, uh, you know what, I really enjoyed that interview for two reasons. Number one, I love to talk with people from different parts of the industry. We had on lead lap on on Monday night, uh, last night we hit, we had a gentleman who is um, now a pit crew coach for uh, Chip Ganassi Racing and some other teams, but has been a tire carrier. But he also has um, a business called Checkered Flag Bucking Bulls, where he actually raises 
bulls for professional bull riders and um so again something different a unique um story from inside the sport somewhere uh and i feel like that's uh, exactly what we got here with brandon wilkinson um uh, and really an entertaining uh interview as well it was uh that was just a lot of fun to listen to and again i think um it's really i don't think a lot of people realize that there is so much to spotting and that there are different ways to spot different divisions. I haven't spotted multiple or lots of different divisions, but I've done some spotting at the short track level and different size tracks and such. And it's, um, it's very complicated and very intense and, and you have to really be focused. It's not something that just anybody can just walk up top and, and do. Uh, and so I really enjoyed hearing about uh, all the experiences he's had and the way that he explained a lot of the, uh, the different levels or different divisions and the way that you have to be slightly different um, from one to the other. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and great to catch up with Brandon. Uh, really one of those guys that is at the track just about as much as me, maybe more uh, in new England. And uh, it's a good opportunity for, uh, us to take a look at what he does for a yeah. living basically and, and that's how he makes his living in racing like we make our living uh doing things like this in the media he makes his living uh being successful in the spotting stand and we we heard about how he got his start in racing we heard about how he can evolved and we talked a little bit about sim racing which has been a topic of our podcast uh over the last couple of weeks uh due to the COVID situation yeah. he's an avid sim racer as well yep uh winning uh, in the Seacock Sim uh, race, the first race of their road trip tour. He's won on Speed 51 in, in multiple modified races uh, over the last couple of months. Uh, and really, like he said, man, we've been we've been talking about it, but a great opportunity to just find something to do yeah, other than sure. watch TV in the house. Yeah, it was fun. I really, uh, I, I, I got a really big kick out of that. And, and it was it was something, again, it was something a little bit different from talking to you know, a driver from a particular division. Uh, and again, I, I love being able to, um, to get the perspective from different people who do different things in the sport, uh, because it helps to show how much depth there is and how many different roles and situations have to happen in order to put a race on. And, you know, here's a, here's a, a, a spotter who also is a sim racer and, you know, has uh, has been working at several levels of the sport, um, you know, and, and uh, it's just fun. That was that was quite a lot of fun. So uh, with that, Tom, we'll as well transfer uh, and be, if you you know want to listen back to that uh, very simply, just scroll back, uh, catch a couple parts. I'll draw your attention to uh, the one part that I think is kind of important. Uh, talk about sim racing, because yeah. uh, that's kind of where we're heading uh, in the near future. Uh, at least for the time being, and that's where we're heading uh, right now as we transfer to the next part of the podcast for this episode. Uh, let's talk about a couple of iRacing events that have gone on uh, in the last couple of weeks, uh, and it's important to note, uh, note that Stafford uh, has advanced their iRacing to be a little bit more than it was. Uh, it was originally scheduled to end last week, uh, but they've advanced that. I'll get to that in a second. This past Friday night, uh, they continue to compete uh, on iRacing, something that's become a uh, reality here over the last couple of weeks. This week, it was Mike Christopher Jr. taking down the win. Stafford's evolved their format just a little bit. On Wednesday nights, they run a preliminary night uh, for race fans to have the opportunity to try to qualify. They take the top five from that night, merge them with the 40 or so 
on Friday night, and then they cut the field from 40 or 45 down to 25 or 26, uh, and they compete in modified events. So Mike Christopher Jr. winning last week uh, was Brian Arducci, who was up front uh, for some of that one. He's been to Victory Lane on iRacing lately uh, many times. And before that, of course, we had Teddy Hogsin on last week, uh, who talked about winning on iRacing as well. Tom, the great opportunity, though, for these race fans uh, at Stafford, the drivers at Stafford uh, and myself, I'll explain that in a second, is going to be their upcoming uh, iRacing tour. Uh, And they're going to start for another three weeks, right through May 15th. uh, And they're going to have some interesting events. They've been using all modifieds earlier, not this time. This Friday night, they're going to use street stocks, late models, on May 1st, modifies again on May 8th, uh, and then an invitational invite-only style event on May 15th. Street stocks, late models at Stafford. Sounds like some good stuff for us to have some entertainment with. Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, all of it right now, it's it's almost like it's, um, it's, it's sim racing overload at this point because uh, everybody's doing one. And, you know, there's often three or four or, or you know, more than that per night that are, you're you're reading about on twitter uh but yeah anytime you can do something that revolves around a local track and local competitors and local you know people from that area i think that's uh it it becomes a community it's a great way to connect people so yeah i'm pretty excited about that that's cool and now Stafford uh, moving to this Friday night with their Street Stocks 50 laps. I mentioned myself, uh, and I mentioned the fans' opportunity yeah. uh, to get in and race. And that fan opportunity to run in the preliminary night also extends to media. Um, and you're listening to this podcast on a Tuesday night. If, if you're just listening to it just when it's dropped, if you might be listening to it when preliminary night is already over. Uh, but I will be competing myself um, in preliminary night this week on Wednesday night to try to make the, the Friday night Street Stock 50 uh, I'll do that for the next couple of weeks. The same thing next week with the late models. The same thing on the week of May the 4th with the tour type modified. See if I can qualify uh, and see if I can win uh, against these Stafford <laughs> regulars. That would be quite the uh, adventure. Uh, and if I was able to win, we could do an interview with me on the podcast uh about what it was like to win. yeah so i think what you need uh, when you do your paint out is you need to do a coil of joy style you need a giant picture of your face on the hood yeah there's a possibility that may happen uh <laughs> maybe we can get the you know the podcast logo on there there you the go publicity. um and yeah so i'll be competing as well and that's a cool opportunity uh to continue to try to evolve this quarantine that hopefully is going to be over uh, hopefully in the near future. Uh, Stafford's preliminary night, they've got some sponsorship from the Horton Group. Uh, that's great that they're going to put up sponsorship for preliminary night as well. Uh, so basically a four-race schedule. All phases renovations is going to continue to sponsor the Friday night program. Uh, Horton is going to sponsor the Wednesday night program. Uh, and the payout for this is pretty good, man. $150 to win, 75 for second, and 25 for third. And then the invitational event on Friday, May 15th, uh, for 80 laps, which is basically going to be very similar format-wise to their open modified 80s that they run in real life. Uh, that one's 350 to win, uh, and that's Ow. invite only. So hopefully I get invited uh, to try to win in that one. Uh, but basically what's going to go on uh, over the next couple weeks is is some good stuff uh, with street stocks, late models, and modifieds at Stafford. Uh, and they're advancing this. YouTube platform, and I'm not sure if you've had a chance to take a look, Tom, but the YouTube platform Stafford has together between archived races from the 2007 it's season. It's very I cool. Yes, I have. Uh, 
Yep. It is incredible. Yes. Uh, and they're going to continue to broadcast that weekly on YouTube, That's which great. I think is a major that's a major positive for all of us. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. I, I And again, I know that there's a, probably a certain demographic that may or may not necessarily. Um, I was listening to a radio show over the weekend, had nothing to do with racing, just talking about old programming, old sports programming in general. And why wouldn't we start showing old, not just uh, 2005 or whatever, but, you know, 1965 football games or 75 football games. Um, and, of course, some of that is uh, available on ESPN and, and NFL Network and some other places, I guess. Uh, but, you know, the, the concept being, well, maybe the younger demographic doesn't care as much about the history, but there's still, especially in motorsports, the the older demographic is still very much plugged in and we care about the history we love going back in time and watching all that stuff and kind of reliving our younger days right so um so i think it's great that uh stafford's doing that and and i mean that track has so much history um it it again i i would i'd love to see even older uh footage if there were any available i'd love to see some of that uh creeping up as you know the weeks go on too and th- that's stuff you can do even once racing resumes again you can still put the content out there during the week it's perfect you know all of this and even the the sim racing this isn't just a temporary thing you can still do all of this during the week um and go racing on the weekends i mean i i i think that what one of the things that we've learned from all of this kyle is that we are capable of being creative enough with going and finding content or, you know, reliving content that, you know, was originally done years ago. Um, we're, we're capable of still plugging in and, and being race fans and enjoying racing, even if it's in a different way that doesn't have us at the racetrack. Yeah, and Stafford's given us a great opportunity to Absolutely. do that. Uh, and I've spent a lot of time... Uh, somewhat watching it, somewhat having it on in the background while I work. Uh, but it's still good uh, to take a look back. The 2007 Spring Sizzler is up there. Great show. Uh, good race. And the quality of these videos is really good. Yes. Uh, there was one or, one or two videos that skipped a little bit uh, that were a little bit older that is so, so, so normal uh, for an older video like that. But most of the quality is phenomenal. Uh, they've got some great videos up there, uh, not only about racing, uh, as far as archived races, but also feature style videos where uh, one of their track uh, video crew has gone to some race shops, uh, Bonsa Tufa, uh, and has done some phenomenal videos. Uh, so check that out. Uh, if you haven't had the opportunity, I do suggest you head over there, see what they've got going on, uh, and kind of prepare yourself for at least a little bit more of quarantine. Uh, and before we get to the Seekonk iRacing, uh, Tom, I'm going to skip ahead in our kind of little mock plan that me and Tom drew up before we hit the record button. Uh, and we're going to talk about what Stafford's got going on as far as their schedule. Uh, okay. And that's kind of an important uh, note while we're talking about Stafford. We might as well hit on that. Uh, Stafford, in the middle of that Connecticut situation that is obviously near a hot spot uh, with the COVID-19 crisis, and uh, they've released a statement about their schedule. Let's back up and realize that the Napa Springs Sizzler was supposed to be this weekend, April 24, 25, 26. Yep. yep. It's been rescheduled for May 30 and 31. We know that. Uh, and Connecticut Governor Ned Lamont put in an executive order 
to close down non-essential businesses in Connecticut until at least May 20th. Uh, and he did that about a week ago now. Uh, and Stafford releasing a statement saying they're aware of the governor's executive order, but they're also aware of President Donald Trump's plan to get the country open. Uh, and they are going to continue to to abide by the local government, the local health, public health officials, uh, and they're going to update their 2020 schedule once the situation becomes a little bit more clear. Uh, so fair enough. Uh, they're going to wait it out a little bit. They had an event scheduled for May 22nd. Uh, they're opening Friday night. Uh, the chances that happens two days after the stay-at-home order is lifted are slim, obviously. Uh, and it's definitely putting uh, the Napa Spring Sizzler in question at the end of May. Uh, but don't fret, race fans. They're not going to give up uh, on trying to get these events in. If you know anything about Stafford, uh, they are not giving up at all anytime soon. Uh, so they're hoping to get back on the track in the near future. Speaking of Seekonk. No further schedule updates there. As of right now, uh, they're planning to start their NASCAR season on May the 30th, hoping that things kind of play out uh, in the local area with their local officials to get that working. And while we talk about Seekonk, let's talk about their road trip tour uh, and the 2020 season that they've got planned uh, for 2020 and hopefully going to be just a couple of races uh, instead of more races with a quarantine race season. Uh, Their next event coming up April the 30th at the Southern National Motorsports Park with super late models. Uh, Tom, let's hear it. Have you been to that track? I have not. Looks like a great track. Uh, I've taken some laps on iRacing. It's very banked. Looks very fast. uh, And I think that's going to put on a good show on iRacing for them. Which track is this that they're running? This would be Southern National. Yes, uh, many times. Oh, yeah, many times. Southern National is... uh, it, it is a big, fast track uh, in real life, and I'm sure it's it's similar. Obviously, on the sim, it's um it's it's a really fun, <clears throat> excuse me, fun track for a lot of drivers to race on. Um, you know, they there are drivers here in the Carolinas area that uh, if there's a race at Southern National, they'll pass up races at other tracks to go run it. Um, and, of course, a lot of the touring series run at least one show a year there. Michael Diaz is actually the uh, the uh, promoter, owner-promoter, and he just does a fantastic job. Yeah, uh, I think that'll be a fun race. Uh, and, again, it's kind of amusing for me to to hear, uh, you know, hear you talk about a Seekonk League, but, of course, Seekonk not on the sim so we have to go and do other tracks and we end up going to a track that Seekonk could fit inside of, uh, basically. And um, it's uh, it's going to be a real treat, I think, for everybody that goes and runs on it uh, because it is definitely a lot of fun and it's a track. It's about three hours from the Charlotte uh, area, so it's a bit of a haul for those of us who want to travel up there to see a race. But, um, you know, nonetheless, it is uh, it, it is a lot of fun when we get to do that. So, yeah, I know a lot about Southern National and really enjoy that track a lot. So, Seekonk planning to run there uh, next week, and I've taken some laps there. As I said myself, it's pretty cool. It uh, is. Pretty cool track, nice banking, uh, and should put on a good show for iRacing uh, as well. So we've covered the Seekonk and Stafford iRacing. Tom, a new series coming out uh, this past week. Uh, the NASCAR Roots iRacing League, uh, started by the gang at NASCAR Roots, which, uh, for those who don't know, is NASCAR Home Tracks. They've rebranded uh, to NASCAR Roots as part of their new campaign for the 2020 season, talking about grassroots racing. Uh, their grassroots uh, NASCAR Roots iRacing League kicking off on uh, Monday the 20th. Uh, and an interesting event. Let me just start there. Uh, <laughs> they ran the race at the new Smyrna Speedway, uh, and they took the green flag, and I will... 
uh, preface this by saying I'm going to read you the first sentence uh, in a press release slash article that was put out by NASCAR uh, involving this event. So they mentioned that the Roots iRacing League is going to take the green flag. And the opening sentence reads, the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour will return to virtual action on Monday. And this is a four-race series that they're running. Remember that I said that is the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour returning virtually. They started at New Smyrna, 50-lap event. They're going to roll to Southern National, the track we just talked about, on Monday the 27th. They'll be up at my neck of the woods in Thompson uh, on May the 4th, and then New Hampshire Motor Speedway on May the 11th. Uh, A little bit different lap count at each track, depending on uh, where it is. They ran 50 at New Smyrna, and the basis of the qualifying format is heat races and LCQ, and then the 50-lap feature. In the feature, it was Parker Retzlaff taking down the win, uh, and a good run for him, starting on the pole, leading all the laps, uh, takes down the win. Here, however, becomes the problem with the NASCAR Roots, NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour iRacing League. This is a NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour iRacing League. 54 or 55 drivers attempted to qualify for this race. Only about 12 of them were Wheel and Modified Tour drivers. Interesting. They filled the rest of the field with Arca Menards East and West, Arca National, and their NASCAR International Divisions, which is the Pinty, uh, Mexico, etc. My opinion on the whole thing, if you're going to promote it as a NASCAR Wheeling Modified Tour race, and the fact that, Tom, you're well aware that the Saturday Night Thunder program NASCAR is putting on includes ARCA, International Series, all these other divisions. However, oddly enough, They've excluded Modified Tour drivers from that Saturday night platform, given the Modified Tour drivers their own night, and then basically given the ARCA and International Series guys a chance to run on another night. So help me understand, because I wasn't aware until you said it, that the Saturday Night Thunder uh, League, if you will, or series, was not open to wheel and modified drivers. I would have thought it was all of nascar's home track series and the modifieds of course being the original nascar (laughs) short track series one would think that i would i would love to know the answer to why modified drivers are not eligible for that series and so you're telling me that they can't run on saturday night so nascar does a monday night series um but then does then calls it the Wheel and Modified Tour Series or League or whatever, and then invites all those other guys who already get to run on Saturday night to run on Monday night as well. Is that what you're saying? Such is the issue, yes. Well, uh, and I will read you uh, word for word the NASCAR.com story uh, that mentions as of a couple weeks ago when Logan CV won the Saturday night event at Bristol, uh, that the Saturday night, you know, they're calling it NASCAR Thunder, This league is comprised of real-world drivers from the Xfinity Series, Trucks, Arkham Menards, which would be East-West and the Arkham Menards Series, the Pinty Series, and the NASCAR Peak Mexico. So you've got the Arca, which is your regional tour. You've got the Xfinity and Truck, which are two of your top three tours. You've got your International Series with Pinty and Peak. The only division that NASCAR has other than the weekly racing series, which they can include because there'd be way too many drivers. Yeah. The only other division that they've excluded from this Saturday night platform 
based on, and I, I say this based on what they have written and based on what product they have put forward, the race fans, the NASCAR Wheel Modified Tour is obviously not included on that Saturday night platform. So therefore, why then are NASCAR Wheel Modified Tour drivers forced to have to qualify in, and some of them, Ronnie Williams did not make it, he did not qualify for the feature. Why then are we allowing ARCA and International Series drivers into a modified tour race and having modified tour drivers end up not qualifying for the feature? That is something for all of you out there to ponder for the near future. Yeah, I that is confusing. I mean, I, I look, I, and, and again, I, I get the frustration just based upon you're selling it as this and then it kind of turns into that. I get it. Um, I try not to get too emotional about all this iRacing stuff, these leagues, because the, even NASCAR's uh, pro series that they're doing on Sundays on Fox is invitational, and there's been you know a lot of kind of back and forth about this one should be in and isn't or blah, 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 whatever. Um, I try to remember that it's for entertainment purposes only, but with that being said, um, my first question would be how... How and why did we only get 11 or 12 modified drivers participating? And then that would beg the question, did they poll the tour drivers before they did this league to ask, if we do this at this day and this time, how many of you could participate? Because here's why I said earlier, we've got so many iRacing, sim racing leagues. Everybody's doing it now. It's become sort of the flavor of the month. So you've got tracks doing it, series doing it. You've got teams doing their own leagues. You've got drivers doing invitational races on their own. You've got so you you've got so many leagues going on that um, if NASCAR wanted to start this, I would think it would make sense that you pull the drivers and say we'd like to do a league based, you know, for modified teams through modified drivers um <clears throat> you know and i would also have thought that there could have been room to do two of these things on saturday night you could have done the thunder league and the modified league both on saturday nights back to back i mean if we can do it on wednesdays on fox and do two races why can't we do it on saturdays it should be fairly easy to do um start one at seven the other at nine or whatever it's a saturday night uh, you might have gotten more participation on Monday night. You have other leagues going on and other things that are. Uh, so I don't know. I I I don't know. Obviously, what NASCAR was intending. Maybe they just maybe saying the wheel and modified tour was coming back. Maybe they just said you know modified cars are coming back, but not. They may not all be driven by modified drivers. It's not unusual to have people cross leagues like that. But you would think that you would want to make sure you have more of your modified tour regulars in this um and you you would want to make sure i would think that you know if you've if you're a regular or you were a regular on the tour in 2019 at least and you you do this thing um you know at least the top x number are guaranteed spots and yeah i see what you're saying that that seems confusing because it seems like they almost just did another Saturday night thunder race, except this time we raced modifieds and there were, you know, 11 or 12 of the modified drivers in it. Oh, I digress. 
I don't know. Uh, and <laughs> there's, just, I'll know. leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, there is a lot of interesting controversy. There's some controversy. Uh, and listen, I've talked to some drivers that were included, some drivers that weren't included. One of the ones not included, Justin Bonsinger, told me simply, I had the opportunity to run. I couldn't run because I had another race plan on Monday night. So yeah. he's out. Uh, Doug Kobe doesn't have an iRacing setup for obvious reasons. He's not interested in iRacing. Um, and there's some other guys, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'd have to, I'd have to connect with some of the other guys that, that weren't there that, that have iRacing setups like Timmy Salamito, uh, that weren't there. But in the end, uh, I digress on the point. I just mentioned that, uh, there seems to be an issue to me with the wheel modified tour iRacing league when there are only 12 out of 50 something guys that actually drive on the wheel modified tour. So yeah, that's I confusing. That, I just, uh, I just think, uh, honestly, for my two cents on it, I, I think it's a shame that they, they didn't decide to include the modified guys on Saturday nights. That makes zero sense to me whatsoever. If you're going to do a Saturday night league and have all your home track series, why you wouldn't include the modified tour because it's your oldest one? That 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 to me is almost more concerning than we let some other guys into the. The modified race on Monday night, I think, you know, I think more of the modified guys should. And, and also why we didn't just go back to back like that. That that would seem to be pretty, uh, pretty obvious uh, that you might have been able to do a back to back deal of some sort on Saturday nights and just run them both. But anyway, uh, what else do we have here? What do we know? Uh, I mean, the scheduling updates, I feel like we're, <laughs> you know, what we say uh, as we record this becomes totally false two hours later based upon <laughs> what governments are doing and, you know, changes in in uh, that that kind of status. It's it's just um, it's unbelievable to me how quick. I mean, last week NASCAR was kind of dead in the water. And this week, they've got tracks seemingly fighting over who's going to get the comeback race for the Cup Series. So, you know, now you're, you know, it seems like a, a, a race to hold the race. Uh, do we know anything more about the modified tour or the tri-track or any of the other series that are out there quickly? So, yeah, Tom, uh, schedule updates on that front. We've talked about Stafford's uh, Spring Sizzler right now remaining May 30, 31. We've already seen South Boston's tour opener uh, get canned. Uh, the Thompson Icebreaker was, was postponed. Uh, the Stafford Sizzler was originally postponed, and now since our last episode, Martinsville's been postponed. Uh, that's a new development there, so the tour yeah. not going to start at Martinsville. The tour, however, as of right now, still planning to start at Jennerstown uh, on May 23rd, uh, and a story... Uh, and one of our media partners up here in New England, uh, one of our fellow media members, saying with Jennerstown quotes from the general manager that they are planning to go uh, as of right now. So May 23rd uh, looks like it might be the opener. Of course, that date is obviously extremely fluid. Uh, and so right now, Modified Tour, uh, May 23rd at Jennerstown, May 30, 31 at Stafford, and June 6th at Seekonk, as it is right now, lining up to be the first three races. Tri-track front, uh, we record this on April 21st. We don't know exactly what date you're listening, uh, but as of today, speaking with officials uh, up at the Manadnock Speedway for the Tri-Track opener on May 9th, they are planning to go as well uh, on May the 9th. And New Hampshire uh, not been at the center of any of these outbreaks. They've been kind of one of the lower states uh, up here in the New England region. Uh, and right now they are preparing to race on May 9th at the Manadnock Speedway at the Tri-Track Series, of course. Uh, and Tom, you mentioned it. I mean, these dates could change in the blink of an eye. We could you know, stop, hit the stop button yeah. and, the, and the date, your schedules could come out any moment. Uh, but as of right now, as of this recording, 
no further changes to the tri-track schedule, no further changes to the mod tour schedule other than Martinsville postponed, Thompson's Icebreaker now postponed again. Uh, and that leaves us with Jennerstown, May 23rd, May night, tri-track at Manadnock. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, from internal discussions I've had, they are all full force at Manadnock, ready to go with that tri-track opener May 9th, hoping that nothing goes wrong. But uh, all these tracks, obviously, as you know, as we know, going to continue to abide with their local governments uh, and do what's right for the safety of the fans, drivers, staff, everybody involved. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just, um, it, again, it is so fluid of, uh, as far as what the governments are doing and, you know, making different decisions every day. We hear something new about, well, this state's going to do this and this state's lifting and it's a soft lift and whatever. Um, so, but I, I will say that if that holds, that's a pretty nice first three races back, especially to be able to open at Jennerstown, kind of a neutral track for a lot of the guys on the tour and a track that will definitely pack if they are allowed to, which, again, is a whole other question. Um, if if they're allowed to have fans, they'll pack the track. You'll have seven, 8,000 people there uh, for that show. Um, but, again, I would say we're probably looking at uh, a few races without fans on most of these tours, especially the NASCAR tours, um, and so it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. But that's a, it's a good opening race if we can hang on to it at, at Jennerstown for the modified tour. Uh, and it should be a dynamite race. And, of course, again, the first race back, everybody's going to be super psyched, you know. And and it's going to be, you know, everybody's been waiting and chomping at the bit. So I think that first race back, uh, if it's at a track that's a racy track, which Jennerstown definitely is, that's going to be a spectacular one to uh, to watch for sure. So I guess we'll see where this all goes, and um, we'll we'll gather as much fresh information as we can for next week's podcast to go from there. Yeah, fair enough for me. Uh, and want to thank our listeners obviously for for tuning in. You've, you've heard from Brandon Wilkinson, uh, and he he wanted me to mention too. He's available on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, shoot him a message, man. Chat with him. Uh, he's more than willing to talk more about spotting, more about sim racing, more about racing in general. Fun. Uh, great to catch up with him. Uh, and as you said, Tom, we'll keep everybody updated on these schedule adjustments as they come. 100%. Uh, and that'll wrap things up for uh, this week's episode of Mainly Modifieds. Again, uh, look forward to next week. And thanks to all of you who are listening and uh, starting to share the show so we can build the audience even more. The numbers going up uh every week and and we're really excited about that uh we're going to keep this going right straight through the end of the year um whatever racing season we have that's what we we have but we're committed to doing this every week and uh we appreciate those who take the time to um jump on with us and, and do these interviews too so uh until next week for kyle souza i'm tom baker thanks for listening to mainly modifieds have a safe and enjoyable week You've been listening to Mainly Modifieds, the show where ground pounders and northeast speed freaks come to get their radio fix on. The show is available on demand by searching Race Chaser Radio on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Music, and most other major podcast platforms. Visit RaceChaserMedia.com for more unique motorsports stories and radio content. And follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.